Yo, bring it back. Here's what you've missed on the bright side. And it's a foodie Friday, so joining us in the studio this morning is Singaporean chef Jeremy Nui. Welcome, Jeremy. I need morning, to say, your yeah. shirt. I Yo, love it. It's mm. the bright side. Look, I purposely wore my brightest shirt and shorts. You need to stand just yeah. for a second. Let me like, see if this can come out on the it, camera. You need to see this. Yes, we're on I Facebook love, live. Facebook.com slash 1FM913. <laughs> Jeremy, we need sunglasses to have a little chat with you this morning. Now, Jeremy, no stranger to the food scene here in Singapore. He's the founder of Batu Lasong Spice Company. They make, in my opinion, the best buak luwak sambal. Also, Mrs. Kwe, director at the Dempsey Project, you would have tried his food over at Dempsey. Very lovely stuff. So welcome, Jeremy. Yes. And you know something? We went to SMU together. I was from SMU. Really? He's my course mate. Yeah. He's we my friend. Yeah, you're working so hard now. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm, so, so I'm shocked. Hard. Yeah. Right. Jeremy is my friend's cousin. So it's like, how many hey, degrees of separation hey, what's going here? on? Huh? It's you Singapore, know, man. It's too you small. Know everyone. Don't be that's naughty. The, you know, thing. this is the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First question, you know, mm. the pandemic has forced many of us to kind of change and grow. And even for yourself, you know, you talked about how you had to pivot your F&B business. You even set up a new business during that time, Dream Shop. Um, what are some of the lessons you've learned from surviving the pandemic that stay with you even till today as you run your new projects, do your new businesses? What is it? You know, like my, myself, like many of my, my colleagues in the F&B industry, you have to be really creative. So shout out to all the F&B people out Woo! there. So we survived, we came through. Um, I think we sacrificed and put a lot on the line just to keep many of our staff and Singaporeans employed. So I think we, we managed to do that very well together with the Singapore government and a lot of the agencies that helped and supported us. And I think one of the biggest things that we took away was that we can be creative, we can be innovative. A lot of people say Singaporeans are boring and we always go things by the book. But we do? Who? Who is this person? Yeah, man. Them. Put your hands up now. Oh. Say, it's okay, never mind. But you know what? The pandemic showed that we are not. We can be creative. We can be really cool. And when we are forced to, right, uh, we will rise up to the challenge. It's interesting that you said that because during the pandemic, there were a lot of home bakers that started businesses as well. Mm. And they are flourishing still till today. So what are some of the three attributes a food entrepreneur like yourself has to have when wanting to set up an F&B business? I think... Like with any kind of business or like a passion project, it's very easy to get lost in and into the enthusiasm and the optimism of being able to be successful. But it's very important to be level-headed and objective. Uh, also be very open mm. uh, to like taking advice and not making too many assumptions, especially when you want to be proven right or successful. That's a really great response to that. And what is one piece of advice you have for a budding food entrepreneur? You know, I think that it's very important to like try to talk to as many people as possible uh, to really find out is there really a demand for like that product or that service that you're offering. And of course, get expert advice. Don't be afraid to try. Um, don't expect it to be perfect and be adaptable. Uh, along the way, be flexible, uh, but be very open to say that, hey, you know, this was a mistake. I was wrong. Uh, let me like change the track. Mm. I feel like that is advice that applies to everyone in everyday life. Yes. Don't you think so? Yeah, yeah, pretty much when you're trying to embark on a new project. I'm very curious about how, you know, Batu Lasong Spice Company, Mrs. Kui, the Dempsey Project all came about, Jeremy. You know, um, I have been actually working also as a chef consultant for 10 years now. And one of the 
my first big piece of work was all the way in St. Petersburg in Russia. Wow. So me, young Singaporean guy, never been to a cold country before, suddenly went into like the the deepest winter, minus 22 degrees. <laughs> Sorry, minus 22. Yeah. And there was no sambal to and heat you up. <laughs> there was no sambal. Uh, I, I bought the most fashionable coat from Zara. The moment I stepped down to the airport, that cold hit me like a wall of ice. Game um, over, huh? No, I. they were all laughing at me. The car, they turned up the heat. Yeah, It was really properly funny. But, but one of the things that I realised was that in many, many other parts of the world, like Singapore cuisine is so well respected. It's so loved. Mm. People see it as exotic and they want to try it. Then many of them are willing to pay like really top dollar for the food that we consider as like everyday and very basic. Yeah. So when I came back to Singapore, uh, it's been like a dream of mine to be able to do projects mm. and come up with a brand that like commits ourselves to like the highest quality of craft and to really come up with a really good quality like sambal paste and uh, spice paste to cook with. So that's how Batu Lusung Spice Company came about. Okay, what does Batu Lusung mean? Batu Lusung means mortar and pestle. The ah, yeah. Okay, the I'm learning. Ah. Okay, I thought maybe it's the name of your cat or your dog. No, just kidding. Uh, but, but, uh, but you know, my bahasa, the, the machuk will correct me. La. My, uh. my pronunciation is probably not good. It's Batu okay. Lusung. Oh, we're not ah. judging you no, on that No, but say today. with the feeling. You can cook to make up for it. It's fine. <laughs> but the Bokluwa, I, I actually really love that sambal. Sambal is my favorite. It comes in a bottle. It's magical because that's the stuff I put in my fried rice. We're talking about it. That sounds and delicious. I sung my fried rice with it, so I get Bokluwa fried rice, courtesy of Jeremy's product. Mm. And I put some luncheon meat in there, and oh my gosh, it's absolutely amazing because to make Bokluwa itself is very time consuming, right? I also don't know how to do it, by the way. <laughs> so thank you, Jeremy, for this amazing, brilliant concept. And of course, we also seen it in um, Shake Shack's Burgers. The yep. Bualkaluat Burger. Tell mm, us about that project. Fun, the, yeah. the Sambal Mayo Burger. Mm. Yeah. That was the first, the world's first uh, local burger offering for Shake Shack. Oh, really? Yeah. There so, was a long, 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 long queue just to get your hands on those burgers. Did you manage to get one, I did Carol? not. I, you know, I missed it. So it was really good because when we did that in June last year, uh, I think that the team... That uh, the Shake Shack culinary team really just wanted to explore like different flavors uh, of like the places and the communities that they're in. It's like part of their mantra, you know, like giving back to the community. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for the support, not just for myself, but I think we've opened doors for like collaborations uh, for Shake Shack with like local chefs around the world. And after we did the Sambal Mayo Burger, uh, Malcolm came on to do the walk lot one. Ah, that's right. Yeah, Ooh, that was wow. super good. So yes. I, he's done it only like a couple of times, and I I went down to get it too. It was amazing. <laughs> I missed hey. my dream collab. This one. is a very tough show to do today this morning. I'm so hungry. Making right us now. all so hungry. Hey, join the fun. We are on Facebook Live this morning at facebook.com/slash1fm913, and on YouTube as well. By the way, check out Jeremy's handsome face. You know he's got really great skin. I must say. Yeah. Hey, what's up with what's that? What's your yeah. product? Uh, Elemis, uh, Elemis. <laughs> All right, coming up, and when we come back, we'll be talking about how to plan a meal to impress the in-laws. Jeremy's got some tips and tricks for you. That is next. Wow, I feel like that's a really sensitive issue, uh, competing with your in-laws. No, we're going to ask you for them. expert advice. No. <laughs> All right, hang tight here on One FM. 
we're just discovering off air why he was actually planning on cycling. That's because he doesn't have a driver's license yet. But you know what? I was thinking to myself, hmm, Jeremy is a very fit person. Always looks so good in those suits. Huh? Yeah. I wasn't surprised. I was like, he's just trying to keep up with very his fitness. Very active person. He is, yeah. he is. So, mm. uh, you're a cycling enthusiast and you're also, you know, uh, very passionate about promoting Singaporean cuisine. And why, how did that come about? Mm. I think one of the things that, okay, so I have a son, uh, he's 11 this year, and uh, he's a really big foodie, like he's like an also uh, really can eat very well, like that's probably his only talent mm. <laughs> yeah, that I, I am probably proud of. <laughs> And uh, I, I think one of the things is that when you are parents, suddenly you think about the next generation. Mm. And uh, through my through my work, right, I actually meet a lot of chefs who are very, very talented, super hardworking, and have been in the industry for a much, much longer time than me. And I see that the return on their time, I feel is not commensurate with the rest of the market. And, and personally, I feel this is uh, partly due to a willingness to pay problem. Mm. And... Uh, while we we do pay like a top dollar in a restaurant for a food that is seen yeah. as exotic or foreign, mm. right? We tend to have a stigma, say that oh, it's only it's only a misoto, it's only like a batsomi, so it should be a hawker food in a hawker center, and then I should only pay a hawker price. Mm. Yeah. So this is one of the things that I wanted to try to like highlight. And uh, I think over the years, we've been very successful together with many food influencers, writers, media, as well as like chefs. Um, we've together pushed like the boundaries and hopefully this will leave like uh, the industry in a much better place uh, than when we leave it. I think you are definitely elevating the status of Singapore food, Singapore cuisine as well. You know, like you're right. A lot of effort goes into making some a lot of the dishes that we enjoy here in Singapore, especially Pranakan cuisine. A lot of effort. Mm. Takes days sometimes. All right. mm. So talking about Singaporean food, we find ourselves in different situations from time to time here in Singapore, cooking for our friends, our family members. Now, can you tell us how to impress our in-laws with a meal? Should you use be should you be using food? And of course, um, should we be cooking better than our in-laws as well? Wow, loaded this question. <laughs> loaded. Oh. You know, um, like one of the themes I feel like our objective for today is to uh, help young Singaporeans have a happy family so they can have more children. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is what will be driving, you know, our, our conversation. You're taking one for the team. Good yeah, Thank right. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you are hosting your in-laws, um, I, I, you know, food is always such a, a nice way to like, get people around the table but it's always a little bit tricky especially if your mother-in-law is like an expert home cook and Mm. the matriarch of the family so I think when it comes to like cooking a dish it's important to find out what she likes but completely avoid the dish or dishes that she cooks very well or is famous for Mm. so if she cooks like ayam wokalot really well do not attempt this dish (laughs) That would be like even if you mission. are very good at it. Always cook something that you think that you are comfortable with, mm-hmm. uh, and that you can prepare it simply, so that you can spend more time, you know, sitting down and then like chit chatting. Yeah, and I think it's more important also to like think about like the ambiance and not just the food. Mm-hmm. So there are other ways to also make uh, her more relaxed. You know, when she comes, give her flowers. Uh, if she will drink. 
ask maybe like your your spouse to make her a cocktail. Wow. <laughs> I want to be part of that dinner party now. I like this mentality of, yeah. you know, being mindful of some of these social cues actually that aren't always spoken, they're not written anywhere, but this is how maybe you show respect for the elders as well. You know, it's about showing respect basically. Um, what are some of the other things that we want to take note of? No, at the end of the day, right, the, the reason why you have your in-laws over is because they want you want them to feel comfortable with you. You want them to know that, you know, they their, their child is in uh, a good hands and is in a good family. So I, I think it would be really good um, to like just be as comfortable and as relaxed as possible. And if you need to like tap out food to complement your menu, do that. Mm. Like you shouldn't feel stressed about it because if you are then running to the kitchen back and forth and trying to get like edible flowers or like small dots on a plate and all that, it's just gonna stress you out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in fact you know if you know that your your in-laws or your mother-in-law and father-in-law are really like enthusiastic and helpful in the kitchen, you should prepare in advance because they're definitely going to ask you, oh, is there anything you can help with? Yeah. Right? And of course, you'll say, oh, no, you know, it's all good. But they're going to linger around and because they're also curious to see what you're doing. And you can already prepare in advance. Say, oh, actually, I need help. Uh, can you help me to like uh, chop up the spring onions or can you help me to like finish the garnish put the fried onions on on like the rice or like sprinkle the the spring onions over the chicken and you know while you are like doing all this small prep and finishes in the kitchen it gives you also a chance also to connect yes yeah. yes good so point. even before the meal you know the game has already started the game yeah <laughs> Right, you having this little private conversation, you know, with like the spouse and your other in law, like in the dining room waiting. You already have started your own uh, little dance, and I think it's an opportunity to show that you're like a team. Mm. What kind of dishes do you think are suitable for preparing for your in laws um, in general? Of course, if they if they are okay with like, I, th- I always think like Italian food is like a good way to go. Mm. So even if they like. Or like local flavors, you can think of like preparing something in a format that they are not always used to, or they like consider would be a treat or something different for them, so that they don't always feel like it's kind of a routine. Mm. And you also marks the occasion as something a little bit special. Mm. And also, it doesn't give them a very clear like comparison point, exactly. right? Like you yeah, could right. make like I don't know pasta with the the sambal that you talk about, mm. but you know at least it's not ayam wakala that yeah. your mother-in-law makes so well. I'm just curious as a chef though, what's the most exotic dish you've prepared hey. for your in-laws? Actually, one of my most favorite things to to cook is like nasi lemak. Ooh. Oh, yeah, but with a twist, right? Or no, just no. very like, because it's that like, there's so many things you can do. Yeah, there are obviously like vegetarian versions. Mm. Um, like beef rendang, you can make in advance. Uh, ayam, I can also do like ayam rendang if they don't take beef. Yeah, yeah, and then you can obviously buy all the other condiments. Cucumber, you just slice. Sambal, we also have like a lot of good options in the supermarket. Mm. And then of course the fried peanut and kambilis, you don't have to do it yourself. Yeah, so I think it's like one of the things that people can just sit around the table and like assemble their own. Mm. So it's a little bit fun also. Okay. Do you cook often for your in-laws? Yeah, I I cook often. I cook often, period. All right, I got a very important question for you, Jeremy. You talked about making rendang and chicken and all that. I I understand that people get very creative, they get very enthusiastic, but what happens, right, when you overcook your rendang or your chicken? What Can it still be saved or is it just a lost cause? Well, okay. So rendang, the word itself means to 
to goreng, right? It's actually frying. It's almost like a primordial form of confit before that fancy word came out. Mm. And I think in the case of like the the beef rendang or like any kind of rendang is that you're actually slowly cooking and frying the the protein in the coconut fat, right? Which has like reduced and separated. The thing is, the reason why you say it's like dry as opposed to hard is because actually it's been cooked uh, too quickly at a very high temperature with not enough liquid. So if you think that it's like more hard than it's dry, you can add more liquid like water or stock and then you can try cooking it longer for like maybe another couple hours at a very low temperature. Or if you... If it's kind of like dry and stringy really, I think it's kind of too late. Oh, you know, too late. Tapau time. <laughs> Not I, even. Actually, I will be posting a recipe on how I make rendang okay. like, later today. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's the best because you get four hours of time in between to mm-hmm. just do whatever you like. Nice. Oh, and hey. I actually suspect, yeah, this is why the reason why, you know, all your, the mothers and grandmas used to say like, don't come into the kitchen. Yeah. Because actually, they just want that like alone time. <laughs> they're probably like, yeah, really yeah they're probably watching Netflix. Yeah, having, oh, yeah. Physical 100, you know. <laughs> no, they want to just focus on their food. Well, we're going to continue this uh, conversation online at facebook.com slash 1FM913. But in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us here in the studio. Chef Jeremy Nui, where can we find you on socials? Uh, I'm Jem Nui, so mm-hmm. J-E-M-N-G-U-E-E on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And if you want to taste your food, where can we find you? You can come to the Dancy Project. <laughs> All right. Yay. And as also check out your that. Or better song. yet, better yet yeah. is yeah. Um, like use the spice paste and the sambals and just enjoy the heritage flavors at home. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jeremy. We'll chat to you again soon. The Bright Side with Carol and Lavinia. Every weekday morning, 6 to 10 a.m. on 1FM 91.3.